This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Welcome to Trashy Divorces, everyone. It's great to be back. It's a whole brand new season. You're Good podcast about bad relationships. We are in Sweet 16, Stacy. Yes, Alicia, we are. We're bringing hot stuff to you. Kicking this season off strong. I mean, we try to always bring hot stuff to you, but who do you have this week? I am bringing the ever so fabulous, badass, hot stuff herself, Beverly Johnson. She has two divorces, a swath of spiderwebs and trashy breakups. We got red flags. We got spider webs. We got happy endings. And an we got everything. Iconic modeling career oh and gosh. beyond. Yeah, fantastic story. Before we begin, there, I'm going to pull out this magic mirror with big thanks and praise to our latest Patreon supporters, getting all the extra goodies every week, ad-free episodes, dumpster dives, which is our weekly catch-up on Trashy Divorces alums. <laughs> We're in a new Trashy Royals series. We're getting into the Trashy Stewart. Sure. Holy catch! So much good stuff there. This magic mirror has a lot of folks to thank. It does. Thank you so much for joining us at patreon.com slash trashy divorces. Mary Alice M. Carol Jean K. Mary. Beth. Casey. Carrie A. Jennifer A. Gwendolyn S. Andrea H. Shauna M. Holy cats, y'all are amazing. A super, super supporter. Thanks to go out as well for Nancy B. Goodness. We are so grateful for all y'all. We are so grateful for you for coming back to listen to another week. Alicia, what should we do if we want to get started with season 16? We'd better go, go, go. All right, Alicia, sweet 16. Who are you bringing us this week? Coming in strong. The badass, hot stuff, trashy divorces and otherwise general saga of supermodel Beverly Johnson. Not just a supermodel. Beverly Johnson's a lot of stuff. She really is a fascinating lady. Groundbreaking activist, successful businesswoman. Beverly Johnson has had a life full of amazing accomplishments. And for our purposes here, some trashy relationships. Mm. Beverly changes how the fashion industry defines beauty when she becomes the first woman of color to be featured on the cover of Vogue. It was a big deal. Yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. Since that cover, Beverly has graced more than 500 magazine covers. Wow. Launched an acting career, become a mother and grandmother, been a reality television judge, all the while being a generous and committed philanthropist. Hmm. Over the years, Beverly Johnson has had two marriages and many romantic relationships with some of the world's most recognizable names. Let's get into it. Okay. Beverly Johnson was born October 13th, 1952. Happy early birthday, Beverly. Hmm. Libra girl in Buffalo, New York. Her father was an electrician. Her mother was a surgical nurse. Kind of interesting. So smart family. Smart family. Beverly is athletic. So athletic, in fact, that Beverly is a very successful competitive swimmer. 
She almost made the United States national team for the 1968 Summer Olympics in Mexico City. Interesting. Isn't that fascinating? She would have met George Foreman, perhaps. Well, there you go. She will meet a boxer. I don't know if she met George Foreman, but we do have a boxer coming up. Beverly will graduate from high school in 1969, move to Boston. She's going to go to Northeastern University on a full scholarship. Pretty good stuff. Her parents have really high plans. Beverly has high plans for herself. She's going to become a lawyer. Hmm. But soon enough, in Boston, Beverly's encouraged to begin modeling by some friends, as well as learning how lucrative modeling could in fact be. Just waylaying a promising career in the law. Beverly will waylay her promising career in the law to give modeling a shot. And in the early Mm -hmm. 1970s, Johnson moves to New York City to pursue modeling full-time, but Mm -hmm. it doesn't go as great as she thinks it's going to go. It's a fight to get there. First up, Beverly shows up at the Eileen Ford Modeling Agency and is turned down. Hmm. Beverly, not to be deterred, is going to head on over to another agency called Black Beauty that specializes in models of color. But that agency also turns her down. Beverly, not giving up on her dream. She's going to be a model. And in 1971, Beverly Johnson goes directly to the offices of Glamour Magazine. Shows up. Immediately hired for a shoot. Wow. Okay. Cut out the middleman. I don't even need a modeling agency. Forget that. The issue of Glamour that Beverly does appear in was a success. But even with that promising start... Beverly was then told that she'd have to lose weight. So she starts at, this is to me is just incredible low numbers. She is, Beverly weighs about 135 pounds at the time, which for a woman of her height, perfectly eats some cornbread. I would like to feed you, but no, Beverly gets her weight down to 103 pounds. Yikes. Ugh. By basically starving herself. Yeah. But she's going to be a model, and Beverly Johnson's career will continue to go up from that first photo shoot after a 32-pound weight loss. I'm glad we're working a little differently today. I don't know how much different, but some things have changed. Beverly's making historical firsts both in North America and Europe. Beverly breaks into runway modeling, television commercials, and acting as well. That's all fine and good. Let me tell you about Billy Potter. (laughs) Billy Potter's a bad boy. Beverly's married for the first time in 1971 at the tender age of 19 years old. Mm. Marriage number one, this groom is a real estate agent whose name is Billy Potter. Beverly describes she and Billy's first date as being, quote, akin to something out of a romance novel, unquote. The couple goes to see the new movie, brand new in the... Theater love story <laughs> with Ali McGraw and Ryan O'Neill. Sure. After the movie, Billy Potter wines and dines Beverly, and then they head on back to Billy's friend's penthouse apartment. Beverly will write that, quote, Once we were alone, I learned that Billy had a tried and true system. There were candles, great music, and the ever-present blunt all of this led to a great night of laughs and lovemaking, Billy Potter style. I can still remember having to fight to see his gorgeous face through the haze of marijuana smoke <laughs> that magical evening. 
Now, Beverly doesn't think it's odd for Billy to smoke weed regularly because it's, what, 1970? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Everyone smokes weed regularly. A lot of people did. I'm not saying everyone, but prevalent in the culture. Beverly soon becomes aware that Billy Potter is also selling it, which becomes a little bit more problematic for Beverly. See, Billy has got spotty employment record. I was going to say, so maybe not the real estate guy she thought she was. Well, spotty employment, but Billy also wears custom-made suits. And Billy also has friends willing to loan them their apartments, penthouse, or otherwise at a moment's notice. Hmm. Uh, This is because Billy still lives with his parents. Oh. But everywhere Billy and Bev go, Billy knows everybody. This in turn will give Beverly some suspicions that maybe Billy Potter is selling more than weed, but decides to turn to blind eye because she thinks she's falling in love. And she wanted to think the best of him. Oh, Billy Potter. Oh, to be 19 again. No, all red flags. Yeah. Red flags. Welcome to How to Learn to Read Red Flags. It does not take long before Billy Potter starts to show other sides of himself to Beverly. He begins criticizing her often, even in front of other people. Beverly is perhaps having some misgivings Mm -hmm. about the relationship. Beverly's beginning to doubt the future that they're going to have together. Getting smart, Beverly. Getting smart, wising up. But Beverly will realize that she is several months pregnant. Uh. She and Billy had only been dating six months. And for most of those months, Beverly has been blinded by her youth and the bloom of new love. And marijuana. (laughs) Sorry, the (laughs) ever-present blunt. Sorry, forgot about that. Beverly writes, Here I was, 19 years old, unmarried, on the verge of a new career with a child on the way. What was I thinking? Clearly, I hadn't been doing much thinking at all. I was so in love with Billy, and we were young, free, and living in the moment. Who doesn't want to live like that, right? But living in the moment has consequences, and I had to face mine. We tell a lot of really good stories on our little podcast Normally about marital things, but when a sibling story comes in that's as great as this, I really do like to uh, give it a little fluff. This is one of the best stories I've come across on this podcast. Great. Okay, so here's Beverly. 19. Bloom of love. Pregnant. Beverly heads back home to Buffalo for her older sister's wedding. Beverly had not told her family about her pregnancy yet. Everybody's waiting in the back of the church for the wedding to start. And Beverly's younger sister, Joanne, reveals the secret, sings like a bird, by loudly commenting to Beverly on her weight gain. As all the bridesmaids are changing together in the back of the church, and Joanne looks at Beverly finally as just like, are you pregnant? Oh my God. Beverly said she felt like smacking Joanne. So she did. And the two sisters have a full-on sibling brawl in the back of the church before the wedding. Beverly writes, honest to goodness, we started fighting right there in God's house, rolling around on the floor of the church in our terracotta-colored bridesmaids' dresses. Way to ruin your other sister's big day. Well, the scene abruptly comes to an end when Mama Mm -hmm. yells that they'd better stop all this nonsense because the wedding's about to start. So here's, no, this is the best part. Beverly and Joanne, two sisters, 
who had just been snatching each other, get up and start fixing each other up, patting each other's hair down, straightening each other's dresses. There's something so utterly Mm -hmm. relatable about that story in the family dynamic. Beverly does return to New York City. She will decide to terminate her pregnancy because she and Billy really don't think it's the right time for them to have a child. Soon after the termination of that pregnancy, Beverly will sign with Eileen Ford. Her career takes off. She is working all the time. Billy, not a fan. (laughs) hates Beverly's out-of-town trips and her long hours. Billy, still with a spotty employment record, odd jobs here and there, instead spent his time and energy and attention on guilting Beverly out about her blossoming career and all the time that her manifesting her dreams took away from Billy Potter. I... Okay. Taylor's oldest time. I mean, I know, I know it happens all the time, but wow. Taylor's oldest time. So, okay, Billy Potter. No, he's a piece of work, Billy Potter. After accompanying Beverly to a photo shoot, Billy manages to charm his way into a photographer's assistant job. How's that go? Well, Billy Potter has definitely made a more desirable choice because Billy has the ability to supply everyone on the shoot with See, that's weed. what I was thinking. That this seems like a really good pairing of industries. Well, it is for Billy Potter, yeah. but less for Beverly, because this will put a strain on their relationship. Beverly does become increasingly uncomfortable with the overlap of Billy Potter's drug dealing aligned with her newly successful modeling mm. career. Because she was intending to be taken seriously on her own merits. Correct. And not just because her goofy boyfriend slash husband is... Anyway. So Beverly, with some misgivings, will choose to look the other way. Again. (laughs) And then, Taylor's oldest time, go one further, and marry Billy Potter. Oh my god. The choices we make. (sighs) Beverly, by this point is becoming one of the most famous and recognizable models. This is by about 1973. Her career is going so well that she was basically able to ignore the fact that her 18-month-old marriage at this point, it's going badly. It's not going at all. It's stalled. Billy. (laughs) Oh, Billy Potter. Still not working regularly. And now has grown very accustomed to the lifestyle of living off his wife, Beverly. I don't need to work. Right. Because Beverly's working for me. And Beverly's not really comfortable with that. This one gutted me. Uh, Beverly will write, he broke my heart piece by piece every day for those 18 months. And I was too embarrassed to let anyone know what was really going on in our marriage. Yeah, that's rough. Beverly sees the red flags, finally going to admit to herself and everyone else that she no longer wanted to be married to Billy Potter. Beverly files for divorce. Finalized 1974. Billy Potter, out. I'm just picturing like a, just a cloud of marijuana smoke in his wake. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that's divorce number one. We're Mm going to come back with so, so much more. We have another marriage. We have a lot of lovers. It's a good time to take a quick break. We will see you on the flip. 
This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mmm. What flavor are you holding? Now open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, Alicia. So Beverly Johnson has kicked deadbeat husband number one to the curb. Billy Potter out. Now Beverly's modeling career is in overdrive and she's traveling all over the world to do photo shoots for Vogue, other important magazines. Beverly makes a decision. She wants to become the first black model on the cover of Vogue. She will tell this goal, her private secret, thing she's working for, goal to Eileen Ford. Eileen Ford told her, forget it. It's never going to happen. Beverly, hot stuff, not giving up on her dream. She'll leave the Ford modeling agency and instead sign on with Wilhelmina, hmm. who promised to support her in her yeah. goal to make that happen. Good. In fact, in August 1974, Beverly Johnson does become the first black woman to appear on the cover of American Vogue. That's awesome. With this accomplishment, Beverly helps shatter the notion that blonde hair, blue eyes, and fair skin were the only requirements to be considered beautiful. She will write, My Vogue cover built an immediate bridge for a group of women who had long been invisible to mainstream beauty editors and Madison Avenue. Yep. Women of color could boldly say to the world, hey, look at me. I'm here and I have value and I am beautiful. Hey, representation matters. Representation does matter. And we are for that. For sure. No, I mean, what a trailblazer. 100%. Absolutely incredible. But let me tell you about the affair Beverly Johnson has with Arthur Ashe. (laughs) Okay. Tennis legend. Okay. Tennis legend. In her memoir, Beverly Johnson writes about her steamy relationship starting in 1975, Mm post-Billy Potter, with the iconic tennis star Arthur Ashe. Johnson says that Ashe's four-hour hot and heavy tennis matches developed endurance muscles in every area (sighs) of the body. (laughs) Dishy. Okay. No, this is a super dishy story of Arthur Ashe, Beverly says. We had all-night lovemaking sessions. I was forced to pull out a bigger book of tricks to help him get to the point of no return sooner or risk some serious health issues of my own. Wow. Swinging from the chandelier every night we spent together was taking a toll on my well-being. <laughs> hmm. Oh, I lo- she's fantastic. Mm-hmm. This is such a delightful little story. Lucky for her, Beverly does find a way to speed things up for Arthur Ashe when she shows up in a seductive cowgirl outfit with nothing on underneath. 1975, Beverly Johnson, Arthur Ashe getting along great. Very satisfying sexual relationship together. 
Beverly Johnson also, in addition to just the swinging from the chandelier benefits, falls in love with Arthur Ashe. And she thinks he could be the one. Mm -hmm. Arthur Ashe surprises Beverly one night with a phone call. I do. There's so many good parts about this story because we've seen this go a hundred thousand times badly. Does he break up with her by telephone? Yeah. Wow. Arthur Ashe. But he calls her and he's like, listen, I've met someone else and I can't see you anymore. Oh, okay. That's this isn't it's it's not you. It's like sometimes you meet the one when you're dating somebody else and, you know, and you want to have that conversation, which for sure. Arthur picks up the phone. I've met someone else. I can't see you anymore, which is a legitimate, very good thing to do. I, I mean, maybe do it in person. Yeah. But that, yeah. Beverly's shocked. She's sad about being dumped, especially over the phone. Because, you know, before that phone call, Beverly thinks we're going to get married. Mm-hmm. But Beverly will not harbor ill feelings for very long at all. The two, Beverly and Arthur, will reconnect many years later when he was very ill And Beverly gets to meet his wife, Jean, the woman that he left Beverly for. Like, they had been married that long. Yeah, no, that does. After getting to know Jean, Beverly Mm -hmm. was like, Arthur, you definitely made the right choice in your life. Yeah. So that's that's Mm -hmm. a little nicer. Mm -hmm. And maybe they were traveling and in different places when, so the phone call was... I'm not going to only way to do. I, I I'm not know. stepping on Arthur Ashe. I, I no, really no, like no. Arthur Ashe mm-hmm. trailblazer in uh, his uh, own yes. right. I just appreciate the phone call. That's better than finding out in another way, more problematically, as we have covered many episodes like on those stories. Read of their wedding announcement in the times or whatever. <laughs> Ghosting. Goodness. This story really does have everything. Let me introduce Robert Evans makes an appearance. Oh, you're a Hollywood producer. My other, yeah, my, my other boyfriend besides Dominic Dunn. Right. Robert Evans, head of Paramount, will make a appearance here. Remember, famously, he was married to Ally McGraw. Mm-hmm. We've done a whole bunch of Robert Evans over at Patreon. Okay, so we have to ask ourselves, after as much as we have touched the spider webs of Robert Evans, was there a model or actress in the 1970s? That Robert Evans didn't sleep with? The answer is still yet unclear. But if there is one that is there, it is not Beverly Johnson. (laughs) In the mid-1970s, Robert Evans and Beverly Johnson had what she describes as a short but intense love affair. In fact, short but intense is probably a very apt description of most of Robert Evans's love affairs so far. The two remain friends, though, Bob and Beverly, and he's a great champion of hers and the acting career that she will bloom for the years to come. That gets us to 1977, and we are moving on to marriage number two, Hmm. Danny Sims. Beverly will decide to marry again in 1977. She is 25 years old. This time her groom is the 40-year-old businessman and music producer Danny Sims. Maybe having recognized red flags from previous relationships, Beverly should understand that maybe many are flying even before the wedding happens. Beverly's doubting the decision. Let's talk about getting these kids together first. Beverly meets Danny when a friend of her hairstylist set her up on a blind date with him. 
To say that Beverly was not impressed would be very much an understatement. In her memoir, this is how she describes her second husband (laughs) and their first date. Hmm. Okay, if this was in my journal, there would not be a second date. But (laughs) my dear friends withheld from me how Danny liked to ramble on and on about himself. His nonstop chatter did not allow anyone else a chance to get a word in edgewise, ask a question, or even take a bathroom break. I sat there in the living room with him as he talked about himself. I thanked the stars above that I had enough mood enhancers that night to block out the vast majority of everything he was saying. We were on the 24th floor, and I fear, had I been in my right mind, I might have just walked to an open window and jumped right out of it in order to make him stop talking. How did she end up marrying this fine gent? Amago, I think, really. The couple will marry in Beverly's parents' living room on Mother's Day, 1977, as Beverly's mother had suggested. Her parents immediately liked Danny. Beverly attributes this and her parents' love for Danny is because he's financially well off. Beverly said that the financial security of all of their children was what was always first and foremost to her parents. Yeah, that makes sense. But I mean, never being able to get a word in edgewise, that's kind of a drawback. Yeah, I don't I don't know, honestly, why she does it. Because the wedding's not great. As the couple's getting ready to leave for their honeymoon, Beverly says she had an awful sinking feeling come over her. Danny has already left the wedding. He said goodbye to everyone. He's waiting for Beverly in the car. And Beverly's still in the house. Not sure if she wants to go. So she'll linger inside the home, just finding more and more reasons to delay. Let me help you wash those dishes, Mom. (laughs) Eventually, Beverly's dad's like, Beverly, it's time to go. And her dad gets her out of the house. And Beverly's still reluctant, like every step she's taking down that sidewalk it just feels worse and worse yeah that's and dad's pushing her into the car she's trudging beverly it's time to go be with your new husband now so yeah all right well beverly nailed it turns out her feeling of impending doom was right on target the first day of their honeymoon beverly sees danny sims flirting with several other women at the resort bar back from the honeymoon All those red flags that Mm -hmm. were planted Mm -hmm. before the wedding, now they're blooming. Beverly catches Danny in little lies at first, but then the lies get bigger. As they do. Yeah, yeah. Also, fun thing, Danny Sims is pressuring Beverly to study Scientology. Oh, great. Which Beverly's like, no, I'm not, not into that. That's cool. Now, Danny Sims has a busy and successful career. Unlike Billy Potter, Danny Sims does have a job. Right. Danny works with many popular musicians during the time. Musicians come over and hang out with Danny and Beverly in their apartment. Beverly recalls it was nothing for me to come home and find Donna Summer, Joe Jackson, or Lionel Richie at the kitchen table. Wow. Talking with Danny about their latest album or single. Careers flying high for both Danny and Beverly, but... The union between the two is disastrous. The marriage is on the rocks. Beverly suspects Danny of constant cheating. Danny's putting the pressure on Beverly to have threesomes and an open marriage. Wow. 
And the more that Beverly resists, the less Danny tries to hide or make excuses for anything that he's doing. Beverly learns that she is pregnant in the spring of 1978, just in time. Congratulations, you're going to have a baby. Also, the FBI has been probing into your husband's dealings with the mafia. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. Little bonus. Little baby bonus. Wow. Isn't that terrible? Poor Beverly. These are only two of the stressors on their marriage. So it's not going great, but Beverly, on December 27th, 1978, will give birth to a daughter, Anansa Sims. And like babies do, they bring joy, which is wonderful, but it does not last. And finally, Beverly is going to get up the nerve to tell Danny, I'm divorcing you. There's a horrible fight. As horrible fights go, nobody feels great after that. And Danny says, don't worry, Beverly. Here's some pain pills. Yikes. I'll take you to the hospital tomorrow. Oh, so But take these now. It's a physical altercation. It was... Whatever he gives her, when Beverly wakes up, Beverly is in a small, stark white room with bars on the window. He had her committed. Beverly writes, my crazy-ass husband had gone and put me in the damn crazy house. Yes. Yes. Just process that. I Take these pills, babe, and you wake up and you are in an institution. Beverly, soon able to convince the doctors that everything he's saying is a lie. I'm... Yes, of sound mind. And body. Have a flourishing career. What he has done has been done in retaliation for me telling him that Mm -hmm. I'm leaving you and I want a divorce because... Maybe one of us is in the incorrect place here. Needless to say, this was the last straw and Beverly moved out of their apartment. Beverly Johnson will describe her marriage to Danny Sims as, quote, a never-ending nightmare, unquote. The couple divorces in 1979. So like just a year or so together, two years maybe? Yeah, not very long. Not very long. Learned a little faster that time. After her second divorce, Beverly Johnson says she will never marry again. (laughs) I wouldn't either. (laughs) She's done with marriage, but maybe not done with men. She's seen out and about dating and romantically linked and involved with many famous men during this time. Some of the names on this list are Eddie Murphy, Mike Tyson, Chuck Norris, and Chris Noth, Mr. Big. Oh, wow. There are many others, too. In Beverly's memoir, she'll write that she was constantly being wined and dined by Dustin Hoffman, Warren Beatty, Jack Nicholson, and Robert Evans. Oh, for Fend. (laughs) Who is Beverly's favorite on her list of suitors? Dustin Hoffman. Beverly Johnson tells the New York Post that Dustin Hoffman was her favorite because he was just so cute and always told the corniest jokes. (laughs) Beverly will claim that she was not sexual with all of her dates, but Warren Beatty and Jack Nicholson definitely made their intentions clear to her. Warren Beatty even hoped that Beverly would join in on a threesome with him and fellow supermodel Lisa Taylor. (laughs) But there were a few that were particularly special to Beverly, those favorites being the aforementioned Arthur Ashe and the boxer Mike Tyson. Hmm. It's a great time for a break. Uh, See you on the flip. 
All right, so Beverly Johnson missed out on George Foreman at the Mexico Games in 68, but you're bringing us a boxer. Beverly's sexual relationship with Mike Tyson begins with her making an enticing promise on a phone call before a fight. At the time, Mike Tyson was 20 years old. Beverly Johnson is 35. Hmm. Mike Tyson is at the height of his boxing career. In her memoir, Beverly will recall, telling Mike Tyson, if you win, I'll give you some. (laughs) Okay. Well, as you may have guessed, not only just, you know, wanting the title, wanting the belt or whatever, there may be an additional reason that Mike Tyson would be kind of into that. Mike Tyson did, in fact, win that fight, making him the youngest heavyweight champion in the history of boxing. 19 hours later, Mike Tyson is knocking on Beverly Johnson's door. (laughs) Of that night, Beverly Johnson writes, Our first time together was nice, if not the most passionate of nights I'd experienced with a man. Mike was young and still learning how to please a woman, but I very much enjoyed it anyway. Mike was so full of excitement and vigor that it was actually contagious. After a few months of dating, though, Beverly and Mike decide to end their relationship, but will remain friendly with each other. I have less of a friendly story. I have a terrible story now, and this is the time that Beverly Johnson was drugged by Bill Cosby. Oh, God. Beverly Johnson barely avoids being sexually assaulted by Bill Cosby. Cosby begins preying on Beverly Johnson when she was auditioning for the recurring role of Claire Huxtable's younger sister on The Cosby Show. When auditioning Beverly, Cosby showed interest in her life and career and made gracious introductions to the cast members. Cosby invites Beverly to his home several times to read for the role. The first time Beverly goes, his children were there and she felt comfortable. The second time she went, they were completely alone. The two ate and then he asked her to play a scene as if she was drunk. He then brought her a cappuccino, which was quite a treat because cappuccino machines and homes were not a common thing back in the... Yeah, 80s or... Yeah. Despite it being a nice gesture, Beverly Johnson declined the drink because she was afraid it would keep her up that night. Cosby, however, was pretty insistent that she have that drink. Beverly writes, he kept insisting, I'd never had a cappuccino like this one and I'd be missing out on something really spectacular. His roofie chino or whatever. I didn't want to argue with him after he'd been so gracious. So against my better judgment, I took a few sips. In an instant, I felt woozy. Wow. Now, Beverly Johnson, because she was no stranger to drugs, realizes what's happening to her right away. She knew immediately that he had slipped a drug into that drink. Mm -hmm. She'll write, all of a sudden, the impact of what was happening to me really set in and I became enraged. Before I knew it, a profanity-laced tirade came out of my mouth. I called him... Every name in the Mother Forker so many times, he stepped back and glared at me as if I were losing my mind. Detailing the event, Johnson said that she began to lose her balance and Bill Cosby grabbed my arm and dragged me roughly down the stairs. Before I could say anything, he had thrown me into a cab and slammed the door behind me. That is a very fortunate outcome, given what we now know. Once the drugs had worn off, Beverly Johnson called Bill Cosby to confront him. 
and Bill Cosby's wife Camille answered the phone and said Bill was in bed and could not talk. Sadly, Beverly Johnson did not pursue it after that because she knew that Bill Cosby was a powerful man who could and probably would retaliate against her. Beverly Johnson writes, I had too much to lose to pursue it. I would have to make my own peace with it somehow. So it is in 2015 when Beverly's memoir, The Face That Changed It All, came out with this story published in it that Bill Cosby did in fact could and would retaliate. He decided to sue her. Wow. However, as more and more women Mm -hmm. came forward and Bill Cosby's legal troubles grew, he drops the defamation suit against her. This is fascinating. Yeah, so she in some ways kind of blew the whistle. Yes, 2015. Yeah, I I mean, I know... Anyway, that whole Cosby mess. Pretty messy. That story was a little bit more terrible. I have some other interesting celebrity encounters that are... Mm -hmm. Dishy. Yeah. There's one time at this roller skating party, Beverly Johnson says, I was bumped hard from behind and almost fell on the floor. Annoyed, she turned to see her attacker. It was a semi-bald, hot pink shorts, no top wearing Grace Jones. Oh my God. Beverly Johnson and Grace Jones become friends, which is pretty cool. After having a friendship with Amon, Beverly Johnson said she was stunned when her former friend gave her the cold shoulder during a Beverly Johnson comeback in the 1980s. Amon, who she hadn't seen in several years, looked Beverly dead in the face and turned away as though she hadn't seen me. Wow. Livid at the snub from her so-called friend, Beverly Johnson grabs Amon by the arm and pulls her into a side room. And Beverly screams at her, what the fuck is wrong with you? How dare you pass me like you don't see me? Don't you understand how crazy that makes both of us look? The two never repaired their friendship. Hmm. Beverly Johnson will go on to say that she never got used to the distorted egos in the modeling world. During one fashion event, Naomi Campbell was arguing with her then-boyfriend, Robert De Niro, and demanded he buy her a building, quote-unquote. Sure. Distorted egos in the modeling world. Fascinating. Beverly Johnson will meet the Jackson family in the early 1970s and date brother Jackie Jackson for a little bit of time. Beverly will become friends with Michael Jackson, who would call her Beverly on the reg for tips on skincare. Hmm. Beverly writes, Michael would routinely dial me up because he struggled with horrible acne during his teen years. The acne, among other things, scarred him psychologically for the rest of his life. There's a fun encounter with Elizabeth Taylor. Visualize this scene. Beverly Johnson. (laughs) does have a memorable experience with Elizabeth Taylor at a party at the home of fashion designer Halston. You see, just imagine all the 70s glory. Elizabeth Taylor is wearing the famed Taylor Burton diamond. This is the one that Richard Burton purchased for Elizabeth for $1.1 million in 1969. Elizabeth Taylor notices Beverly Johnson staring at the magnificent piece of jewelry. Elizabeth Taylor. She's such a broad. She takes off her ring, throws it across the table and says, you like it, you wear it. Oh my God. And before Johnson like could understand what was happening, like 
She's looking at Elizabeth Taylor's ring in front of her and Elizabeth Taylor walks away. She's like the anti-Princess Margaret. (laughs) You like it. You wear it. Uh, Beverly Johnson guesses that this was Elizabeth Taylor's version of a prank to leave Johnson responsible, even if only for a little while, her famous and incredibly expensive diamond ring. Yeah. I don't know if I'd hold on to that for too long. That would seem to me to be a little, little, little tricky. We've got a few more things to talk about in the incredible life of badass hot stuff, Beverly Johnson. She does have a relationship with Mr. Big, actor Chris Noth. Beverly was introduced to actor Chris Noth by her longtime friend, Nikki Haskell. Chris Noth at the time was enjoying success in his role as Detective Mike Logan on Law and Order. Sure. Eventually, Beverly and Chris Noth become a couple. They're together from 1990 to 1995. The five-year relationship will end when Beverly Johnson was granted a restraining order from Chris Noth. Do you know about this story? Mm -mm. This happened. It was really quiet. Nobody really talked about it until, again, recently when shit gets brought up. So, Beverly Johnson's restraining order requires Chris Noth to say 500 yards away from her and her daughter. Wow. And was based on the threats that Noth had made against both Beverly and Child. This was not big news at the time. But when Chris Noth's sexual assault allegation scandal broke in 2021, the restraining order resurfaced. Page 6 obtained these court documents from 1995, which read, Chris Noth punched me in the chest and ribs, injuring my ribs, making it difficult to breathe, punching and bruising my face and body, in which I had to have medical attention. On July 27, 1995, he made repeated threats on my life, making up to 25 calls per day, threatening to kill me and destroy my face. He also threatened to kill the dog. Beverly Johnson also asked the court to enforce that Noth, quote, Make no calls to others with threats against me, restraining from slandering my character and good name, unquote. After that, it is in no surprise that October 1995, Beverly Johnson's requests were granted. Chris Noth's attorney told Us Weekly earlier this year that the couple actually agreed to mutual restraining orders. Yeah, I'm sure. Noth's account is that the alleged incident occurred between the two at the premiere of Carlito's Way in 1993 and claims that Johnson hit him in the face in front of the theater. It's clear to say the couple broke up. Yeah, that seems like a good strategy at that juncture. All right. Alongside all of these personal relationships, Beverly's career has continued to thrive, and she has made her mark on modeling, acting, business, and philanthropy. Beverly has been active in supporting AIDS awareness, as well as the United Negro College Fund throughout her entire life. Some other important causes Beverly has championed are women's rights, domestic violence and child abuse prevention, as well as degenerative diseases. Beverly is a longtime member of the board of directors for the Barbara Sinatra Children's Center for Abused Children. So much more than a beautiful face. Beverly Johnson, hot stuff, believe it or not, has made a difference behind the scenes in the fashion industry as well. She has been instrumental in shaping the fashion industry by campaigning against inequitable employment and the treatment of works and factory sweatshops. Hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Through this work, Beverly became the ambassador of goodwill to the fashion industry and was named one of the 20th century's 100 most influential people in the fashion industry by the New York Times. Not only that, Oprah Winfrey will honor Beverly Johnson in 2006, making Beverly one of Oprah Winfrey's 25 top legends. Hmm. I don't know, you think we're done? Are we done? No, we have one more delightful (laughs) little tale to share. All right. Beverly Johnson has sworn off marriage after Billy Potter and Danny Sims. He'd want to go down that road again, but apparently Beverly Johnson has changed her mind about getting married again. In 2020, she will announce her engagement to financier Brian Malian. Beverly tells People Magazine, This is the first time I've dated someone so close to my age. We know the same songs and we've lived through a lot of the same things. As I was breaking boundaries in the fashion industry, he was doing the same on Wall Street. Malian unexpectedly pops the question to Beverly during a family event in Palm Springs, California. He's so taken with emotion he doesn't even have a ring. But Brian's, this is Beverly writing, Brian's 88-year-old mother took off her wedding ring and passed it down the table until it got to Brian and he got down on one knee. I was sobbing uncontrollably and he said, will you marry me? And I said, yes. Her future mother-in-law let her wear the ring for the rest of the day before (laughs) asking for it back. (laughs) Which is kind of nice. No, that's a great story. Beverly will instead make a very practical decision regarding a future engagement ring. She's like, listen, just buy me a house. I don't need a ring. Buy us a home. That's so much better, which Mm -hmm. is what they ended up doing. The couple has not, as of today, made any announcement about wedding plans, but Beverly says, just finding the love of my life at this point in my life has been amazing. I could not agree more. That is the Trashy Divorces Sweet 16 season opener, Beverly Johnson. Sparkly. Well, trash cans on this one? I don't know. They're all in terracotta gowns. Mm. The bride's walking with a bouquet of red flags. Yeah. So, so many. I don't know. Her story is just fascinating. It's such a story of the times. Trailblazer. Kind of an amazing life. Beverly Johnson. Mm -hmm. Hot stuff. Really interesting character, I thought, to kick off our Sweet 16 season for you. Yeah, that's spiderwebby. I'm so excited about this season. We've got so much trash candy coming for you, friends. Yeah. We can't wait. Super excited to be back. And yeah, we'll be back with you on Sunday with another trashy divorce. Until then, friends, if you need more of us, check us out at patreon.com slash trashy divorces. Keep those hands clean. Keep your hearts trashy. Big love, everybody. Happy Sweet 16. See you Sunday. Bye. And thanks to you for listening. Trashy Divorces is a Hemlock Creatives production created and produced right here in Atlanta, Georgia by us. Stacy and Alicia, with a little research and writing help from the brilliant Melissa O. Our art is by Sydney V. Smith. That's Sydney V. Smith at carbonmade.com. And our music is used with permission of Ratsy. Check her out at Ratsy's store on Instagram. And definitely drop into Ratsy's store anytime you're in Oberlin, Ohio. You can contact us at trashydivorces at gmail.com or find us on the World Wide Web at trashydivorces.com. 
If you need more trash candy in your life, our Patreon community includes some of the very best humans around and thousands of hours of bonus content at every level of support. Join the fun at patreon.com slash trashy divorces. Interested in some trashy divorces swag? Check out our merch shop and Trash Panda Enthusiasm Society at bit.ly slash trashy gear. Want to advertise with us? Reach out to sales at advertisecast.com for more information. And last but not least, come play with us on social media. I keep most of our Trashy Divorces Instagram hopping. Stacy and I share it up over on Facebook, including our Trashy Divorces podcast discussion group. Come join us over there, and thanks again, everybody, for listening. Keep it trashy, y'all.